Welcome to Pushing Past Polite, where we talk about what matters and make the world more just. I'm Laura. I'm Corey. And we're so glad you tuned in today. Thanks so much. Way to join us on our third episode. Can you believe it? We're really doing this. This is a thing. This is a thing. Um, <laughs> so this year we both played fantasy football and we sucked at it. We didn't start out both sucking, but it it went downhill quickly. Um yeah, in fact, for playoffs, they eliminate the bottom two teams. And I don't know if that's always just the bottom two or if it's just because there were 10, there's only eight spots. But we were numbers nine and 10, respectively. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But you know what? We were in good company. Yes, we were. I don't need your playoffs. You can take <laughs> that. Need your playoffs. Now, you might say, I thought you said you were going to talk about what matters and we're talking about fantasy football. Um. And I hear you and I feel that in my soul because this is not my jam. I literally did it because I don't do pro sports. And we work in a place with lots of researchers who I didn't think were that into pro sports. Some of them were. They really were. There was some lit trash talk. So there are a lot of people that we work with that are into their teams. Yes. Like during the basketball season, college basketball especially. You know, there's like the tournament, yep, brackets, round, you know, the brackets, and the whole wheel. All that goes on. Yeah. So when someone who looks a lot like me said, "I can't wait to organize a fantasy football league," I was like, "Well, maybe I could do it too." And so I literally did as little as possible. I said, "You know, one of the options was to have the computer pick your team." And so I did. It was completely automated. And I made the false assumption that that's all I had to do all season was say, I want to play and let the computer do it. I was wrong. I learned really quickly that there's a such thing as bye weeks and you have to rotate players. And sometimes real life people get injured and you have to like pick a new person. It became a little too much for me to remember every week. It was another chore. So I very quickly went from I got this to I don't got this. And that's why I've never really been into fantasy, even when I used to be so, so super into football. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is almost comical. I used to be really into football. I, I grew up watching college sports and professional sports. It was something that was very much uh, present in my home. Mm -hmm. I was an athlete myself. A ton of my friends were football players. I ran track and so like track was their off season sport. So a lot of my friends yep. um played football in high school, in college, and professionally. Um, and so I was very into football. I knew all the players and the coaches and the stats and you know who was doing what when and that lasted a long while until um, you know, Colin Kaepernick was basically banned from the league for um exercising his belief yeah. around um disrupting injustice in black and brown communities and i and so i stopped watching uh. after that because i was just like wow the fact that an entire organization like an entire league which is a collection of organizations can so easily just kind of dismiss and isolate and attempt to silence someone yeah. was very disheartening for me and how I 
perceived football and those organizations and those people to be, yeah, you know, who I perceive them to be. And I just was like, yeah, I'm out for now. And so I thought that this fantasy football thing with with our colleagues might be a reintroduction into professional football for me. And it really fell flat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I say that very grateful to our colleague who set it up. I love that other people had fun. I had a little bit yes. of fun. I love the well, trash no. talk. That was so fun. I just don't want to play football and I don't watch football. And I didn't even engage in that. Like that was the part I was excited about was like the trash talking, right? Like, can we have a whole separate chat so we could do. And I didn't even participate in any of the trash talking because I was so disengaged from the yeah. game itself. I didn't watch a single game, but I just showed up for the trash talk. That was my weekly ritual. <laughs> So I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm like, ooh, you got it. <laughs> and I love that part. Um, unlike you, Corey, I grew up in a house with no brothers. Football was not a part of our family experience. I was no athlete. The only person I know who made it pro in football was a guy who cheated off of my test in Spanish class and did so. So he really irked the heck out of me. He was so brazen about it. He's like, he used all his cool points to be like, you're not really going to get me in trouble, are you? And I'm like, oh, maybe oh no, not. God, I don't know what to do, senor. You make me loco, but I don't enjoy this. And so anyway, I did not have the connections to the people and the games the same way you did. Um, so my real connection to football, I guess, I mean, I went to a couple high school games, but my high school team wasn't that great. My college literally did not have a football team at all. Um, it's co-ed school, no football. Um, so again, missed another opportunity. But when I started dating my husband, who went to a Division One school with a big football team, okay, now I get it. I'm suddenly a part of Hokie Nation. Virginia Tech is now our team. This is what we do on either Thursday nights or Saturdays. We tailgate when we're in town. Like, I get it. This is fun. And it really was for a while. Um, and then, you know, the coach retires and things went a little south. And I realized my husband and I both are a little fair weather. It's not as fun if they're not winning. <laughs> But more so, um, I just also at Virginia Tech, they are really cutting edge in a lot of research, um, particularly around like concussion minimizing and like thinking about the materials and how they can try to better pad players, all of this. And I just found myself thinking like, it shouldn't be that hard. Like we don't still have gladiators duking it out for a reason. And you know, I'm torn. I understand like all the benefits that sports give you, right? The sense of like gathering with people. The sense of uh, belonging and having a team that's yours and cheering for something, even hopefully maybe you're less fair weather than I am and you have like a deeper identity for it. But I don't know at what cost, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there's also the ugly racist side of things that shows up because, you know, so many of the athletes, basketball players, football players, et cetera, are black men. and you know, there's there has been this really ugly piece that keeps showing up very explicitly where, you know, fans are being disrespectful to players, mm-hmm. uh, fans are being disrespectful to each other. I was watching there was a game where this young man, this young black guy had gone to his first football game ever. And uh, I think it was a New England Patriots game. And like this woman was like in his face, yelling and taunting him, this white woman and her husband or her partner, whoever was with her was like, 
very actively trying to pull her away. And she was insistent on being in this young man's space and like yelling at him. And he just maintained his composure. And nice. it was so gross to me. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, why do you think that that's acceptable, first of all? Second of all, why do you think that this venue gives you the latitude to demonstrate that kind of like disrespectful, inappropriate, like if he was doing that to you, you'd call the cops. Yeah. And to clarify, these are just two people in the audience? Yes, these oh, are two the people in the stands. These are fans. So fast forward, I think the owner saw the viral video of this happening and he invited the guy to the owner's box. The box. And he, yeah. But that sort of thing. And even like with this Hamlin situation, it's like this 24-year-old kid died on the field and there was a discussion around whether the game was going to continue or not. Yeah. Like, really? And to clarify. The answer is Hell yeah. no, yeah. fuck no. There is no reason that this game needs to keep moving forward. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and I think that's what kind of disturbs me too, is this idea that the game or the sport or the the broader goal is bigger than the individual's worth. And, you know, I think about that, like if my child wanted to play a really intense contact sport like this, the answer would be no. And that is not judging anyone whose parent, whose child loves this game. This is a personal choice. But I couldn't say yes in good conscience to that. And then I thought, who am I to be sitting on the sideline watching somebody else's child's getting, you know, knocked hard around and, and beat up like this? So I hear you. And also, like, I did not watch. <laughs> shocker. I'm not watching football. Um, I did not watch the game where um, Damar Hamlin coded on the field and thankfully was revived. But that. I, I, you know, of course, wanted to find out once I saw it all over social media and how traumatic for obviously him, his family, the players on his team, the opposing team, everyone in the stands, everyone at home. It was trauma. And that idea of like, well, but it's the playoffs or we got to get closer to the playoffs. The, we got to keep going because money. We need to make our the owners at the top rich. It's just I'm very thankful they made that call to stop, but the, it should never have been a question. It should not have ever been a question. Yeah. Yeah. And it speaks to this like expectation of unrealistic resilience uh -huh. that we have for so many people that we are categorizing as not fully human in some way. Like we're looking at the football players like they're superhuman. So they should be able to overcome and just press through uh -huh. this very significant trauma to their brother to their friend to yeah. their you know and it wasn't even just the people who were in the stands at the time or on the field at the time like what happened to him had an impact on so many other football players and teams and coaches mm -hmm. this idea like that could have been me yeah it just really highly disturbed me that there was a question or a thought to continue the game. Yeah. And it reminded me of why I don't like to watch. Yeah. Because because there was that thought to continue the game was demonstrative of the fact that there's a perception that these men are expendable. Expendable or superhuman or not human, right? They're like on some 
extreme category of humanity that they can just press through or that they should be able to suck it up or whatever it is. And the humanity compassion thing was not the first response. Yeah. You know, Corey, I think you could, we could probably take this a different direction, the same lesson, this idea that like at work, you know what, I'm sorry you just had a baby or I'm sorry you are going through a death in the family or yeah. this tough thing is happening. But you know what? Deliverables or we got to get something done. And I'm not saying this is it's a culture. This thing. is a broader American culture of um, we're sorry and our condolences and thoughts and prayers and keep it moving. And, yeah. you know, I really was hopeful. And on some level, I think the pandemic did make people pause about that. You know, this idea of collective trauma that we've been through something really, really tough. And I was hopeful that on the other side, there'd be this adjusted set of expectations about our value not being tied up in our productivity. Right. And I think that's kind of a missed opportunity. I don't feel like that's one of the legacies of the pandemic at all. Well, and I think in some spaces that is, but not in the space that we work in and not in some other, like, you know, there has been so much movement of people in terms of even think about some of our colleagues we leaving just to like go travel and explore, not leaving work to have another job, but leaving because that's what they need to do. So that mindset may not have been solidified in broader culture like in a yeah, like in, in a systemic or institutional way. But it does feel like there's a generation of people yeah. who are like, you know what? F this, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's a great point because you have people who retired early who said, uh-uh, not doing it. I'm out. I'm out. You have people who said, well, the great, res the, the um, great resignation. Thank you. I'm like, not recession. What is it? The great resignation. Mm -hmm. And people saying this is not worth it or this is not the work I want to be doing. But then, um, and I mean, people full-blown career changing. Yes. You know, like, you know, actually, I am going to go to medical school. Why not? Yep. Yep. Well, a friend of mine is getting her PhD and she's 70 something years old because why not? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. This idea that if you're in a situation where you feel like it's not working for you to remove yourself. And that's why we left the NFL. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's All not right. exactly a good bow to tie on that. Um, but no, that's a, a great broader point that we you know, while maybe broader culture hasn't fully caught up yet, that there's this movement, this undercurrent of, you know, life is precious, time is precious, okay. and you need to find your joy and you need to be in a place where you're valued, um, whether that be at work, in relationships, any of that. Yeah. Yeah. How do we tie that back to the NFL? I took us here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like I feel like the the big message is that as a culture in an American culture, we have things backwards. We're, we are not compassion, inclusion, acceptance is not. It's not our first value. We, not our first. That's not what we lead with. Not right. Not. We lead with money and power and tolerance. Ooh, if at that, if that. If that, right? And even with this podcast and with our friendship and with our parenting, I, I hope to raise humans that lead with compassion yeah. and care. And I'm not saying like the players in the NFL don't do that. No, no, I no. don't think that. But I think that the the system that they're in 
does not lead with compassion and care, right? Exactly right. This profession that they have opted into that is part of this large system of organizations is not a caring system. And I think part of the reason it's not that caring of a system is because the value of the humanity of the people who are, you know, most impacted by that system, those folks aren't as valued, Mm -hmm. right? No, you're absolutely right. And that's a reflection of our larger society. And I think that that relationship between a lot of those people being Black men and our perception and the way that we engage and treat and talk about and don't love on our Black men as a society, that is, it's, that's a reflection of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. So how do we, huh, how do we care, how do we change that in our own, knowing that that's our value, right? Knowing that, that our value system as individuals, as, as lots of people, I'm sure, this is probably not a unique thought to us. Um, but wanting to lead with humanity first, wanting to lead with someone's inherent value because of who they are and their humanity. Like, uh-huh. what does that start to change in our lives? Right? Yeah, I was watching a video recently um, by Dr. Joy DeGruy, and she was talking about how in America, not that long ago, lynching Black people was like entertainment shit right like people would pack lunches and take their children to this lynching of a person public event a public event meant to intimidate and scare correct and in doing that she talks about how those little humans who are not flinching who are not crying, who are not in distress about what they're observing, have lost pieces of their humanity by being able to look at this person being murdered and have no compassion or empathy for that. And that that ability to just shut off your compassion and empathy for a human also costs you a part of your own humanity. And I think that what we need to do as a collective, but especially some white folks, Mm -hmm. is we need to refine the humanity. Yeah. Right? Refine your own humanity so that it is much easier for you to see what's happening on the football field, dispel the fact that it's a game, and hone in on this young man's life that is literally in the balance right now in this moment. And literally, that's all that matters. Yep. Yep. No. And, and you know, you, I've heard said in, in many different contexts and academic contexts and like a moral pulpit preach kind of context, this idea that racism hurts white people, too. Yes. And I think that's a really great example, right? If these children, these people, these people who witness these horrible things. Who are now adults making decisions in their 50s and 60s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or honestly, let's just take something like a game, like what just happened in, in the NFL, right? Someone watching, and if they're taking the lens of the game first versus the human first, that they've lost a part of themselves too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That, that we have to fight against the messages that our culture sends us. Uh-huh. And 
and fight for our humanity because it is that easy to overlook. Yeah. And it's like that's how we have so many acceptable forms of like racism and bias and things like that, right? Because we still have this, there's a hole in humanity here. You know, it's like the United States was built on genocide and enslavement. That's how it was built. And, and people participated willingly in that to achieve things that they currently hold, right? Yeah. So how do we unpack that a little bit and, and talk about the consequence of that for people who don't just look like me, who aren't just people of color, who aren't just black people, who aren't just indigenous people, who aren't Latino, Latinx people, but white people who are also reeling from the harm of all of those events, but because of positionality with our society, are not confronted by it as regularly. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've heard too, like the idea that engaging in this kind of heart work is, it's not just about, you know, these buzzwords and DEI and inclusion and equity. It's about becoming a better human. Yeah. Right. And I don't mean complete human. Yeah. I don't mean better than, right. It's, it's not that it's that I am unearthing parts of me that have gone numb because of the messages that are, that are awash in my culture every day. And Uh that that process is really what this is about. It's about, um, becoming soft again, right. To, to these things, these messages that have just completely, we don't even feel anymore. And, and that aren't even headlines in our society. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> these sorts of things don't even um, last news cycles. Mm. You know, Hamlin might because of the uh, level, the profile, right? It was when, it, when his injury took place. It's very evident that um, he's very loved and respected by his teammates, coaches, his community. But when he recovers and is able to be on the sidelines again, are we still going to be talking about this? Are we going to be having these discussions, thinking about the next Hamlin that's coming or another young man who like just... Are we going to continue this dialogue? Yeah. We're moving the focus from the individual who had this horribly traumatic, who was at the center of this traumatic experience, right? A lot of people experience trauma because of what happened. But are we going to be able to zoom out a little bit and say, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. (laughs) It laid bare the system for us. And Mm -hmm. the question is, are we going to look at it again? Are we going to look at it again? Or are we choosing to look away? Exactly. Because of the game and the entertainment aspect and the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. May we not look away. May we not look away. I love that. Well, I'm sorry that our fantasy football season was a flop. I (laughs) don't miss watching. And I am finding plenty of other things to do with my time, including uh, the World Cup and American football, which had its own uh, systemic issues. This last cycle in Qatar, yeah. which is conversation for another day. But um, thanks for engaging with me on that. And I guess in terms of what to think about is for for folks at home is thinking about what in what ways are the value of humanity first uh, evident in the way that you 
well, really like move about. Like how are, how is that essential in terms of your core values? Yeah. Humanity first, humans first. You know, like in lots of schools these days, it's like kindness. But what does that kindness look like? Kindness as a core value for in, in academic settings for kiddos, right? But what does kindness look like as a value? How do we develop that in ourselves and each other? Kindness that's coupled with compassion and action, mm -hmm. right? Not kindness like, oh, bless their heart, but kindness that's coupled with compassion and action. Yeah. And empathy, our ability to see each other in someone's suffering, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But also see ourselves in the sense of like, what's happening to you over there has an impact on me over here that I need to be dealing with. And I need to not pretend that your experience does not somehow have a role in my experience. Yeah, our, you know? in, our interconnectedness and, and choosing our to see that. Seeing the system, seeing places where people are experiencing harm, experiencing uh -huh. benefit and how, the, how the, the web connects us. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Well... This was a good one. I liked it. I did too. Thanks for uh, digging deeper. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry we didn't win, uh, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> and I think, yeah. and and the the ease with which we can laugh that off, I think, says plenty, right? Right. Cause like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Fantasy. Fantasy. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. People, some people are so into that. It's like a whole thing. And it's like, what difference does it make? I know. What. It, good yeah. good life lesson for me on, on several levels. Well, thank you again for tuning in and spending some time with us today. We hope that you won't look away with us and you'll you'll press into hard things and, and push past polite to, to what really matters so you can make the world a bit more just together. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We encourage you to go deeper in your trusted spaces or cultivate new spaces that foster meaningful connection. Please follow us on social media to keep the conversation going. We are at Pushing Past Polite on Instagram and Facebook and Push Past Polite on Twitter. Pushing Past Polite is an independent podcast with Corey and Laura from Just Educators. Our cover art was designed by Rachel Welsh de Iga of De Iga Designs, and our audio is produced by Keith at Headset Media. Until next time, don't get stuck talking about the weather. Have conversations that matter and make your world a bit more just. Bye.